Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Three, two. Oh, that was a good one. That was a solid self-slate. Fake the Nation, episode 213. Hello, hello, and welcome to Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we rake the dead leaves off of democracy, throw them into a compost bin, and make beautiful fertilizer for our country to grow and flourish. I am your host, Nikki Farsad, and folks, people have been trying to bring me down. The pessimism out there is strong, but I won't have it, because it's 2020, and we've got an election to be excited about, and we've got democracy to uphold and I'm excited and I'm an optimist and I'm not going to let people get me down. So today we're going to talk about that VP pick that we're all so excited about. We're going to do a pandy check-in and we'll talk about the world's great cities and how they're coping with the pandy times. Today's panel is in fact the best panel that could possibly have been assembled for this week's news. Guys, this is so exciting, today's panel. And also because they're my friends, and that's really fun for me. Uh, We have with us host of the Employee of the Month podcast. You've heard her on this podcast before. Uh, Oh, by the way, when the world opens back up, which is, you know, really soon in the grand scheme of things, you can see Employee of the Month live at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater in New York City. Uh, and you can read all of her brilliant works online. She's written for like 100 different places. And you can listen to back episodes of Employee of the Month. And you can just regale in the wonderful Katie Lazarus. Hey, Katie. Hello. And thank you for, um, you know, making sure that I feel 
uh, better about the fact that I still need to get my book proposal finished. <laughs> so you, can, yeah. you can have someone to, something to promote. I mean, we're going to be right here waiting for that book and ready to promote. Um, I am joined also on this panel by an old friend. Uh, we've done so much comedy together. He's one of my OG comedy friends. And uh, oh my gosh, he's the executive producer and host of the podcast. We're having a moment, which you should be immediately subscribing to and listening to. He's a comedian. He's an author. He's just a jack of all trades. He's really a brilliant guy in every way. And his name is Baratunde Thurston. Hey, Baratunde. Hello, Negin. I still always hear your name like your mom says it in your jokes. <laughs> Negin. Negin. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here with you and with Katie and get the gang all back together in Zoom, where literally everything happens. Thank you. I mean, I know, unfortunately, but <laughs> fortunately. Yes. Uh, I also want to mention just a quick like shout out. It's a 10-year Earwolf anniversary. Um, so congratulations to Earwolf. They started up 10 years ago with a couple of comedians who had a vision. And now here we are. And they've got a shit ton of shows and that will make you laugh. Uh, and they've got a whole bunch of uh, bonus content that will also... Uh, make you laugh, including Bonus The Nation, which is available on Stitcher Premium. So, uh, so you know, become a Stitcher Premium member and you get Bonus The Nation. You help my show, which I know a lot of you like to do. All right. Um, so a lot of good things. Let us jump in with the biggest news of the week with topic number one. We've been waiting months for the day Joe Biden would pick a running mate. Everyone made bets early on that it would be Kamala Harris. Then, to no one's surprise, Joe Biden chose Kamala Harris. <laughs> We're here. We have a full ticket. Let's fucking vote already. But before we do that, um, Katie, Baratune Day, tell me what you think of this VP pick. I, uh, I'm glad that the choice was made. I'm ready to vote. Uh, this is our ticket out of hell. <laughs> and that that's how I feel. I mean, look, when it, first of all, I'm uh, I'm mildly annoyed because I've given Joe Biden multiple installations of 20 to 25 dollars. So I'm a big donor. Well and done, sir. I was promised a text message from the campaign that I would be the first to know that I'll be the first to know. And instead, I found out from Twitter uh -oh. uh, where he told everyone, and I'm not special <laughs> on Twitter at all. No one's special. So I'm disappointed with the quote unquote rollout uh, from that perspective because it made me feel less important and I'm super important. Um, uh, but Bear Tunde, he's the presidential nominee for all of America, not just you. So I feel like it was like a strategic move on his part. Look at you already covering, <laughs> already boosting. Let's just be honest here, okay? He he flubbed the rollout. He made me feel bad, and I'm still going to vote for him. So it costs him nothing. That's how democracy works. Uh, I look. I was. I had a flash of like, oh, cool. Kamala Harris. Like, I didn't jump for joy or leap out of my chair. Right, right. Um, and and I was like, ah, the prosecutorial thing. And she locked up a lot of black people. Mm. And she kind of ran a pretty bad presidential campaign from just the measure of, like, not getting a single vote measure. Right. But I also <laughs> realized... Which is maybe the only measure, if we're yeah, honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but then I took a different perspective, which is I don't care yeah. about those things. Um <laughs> And what I care about is this binary choice we have between uh, almost literally good and evil, uh, certainly between <laughs> like hurt and not hurt uh, in terms of having leadership 
that will not try to slaughter as many of us as possible uh, in super spreading viral events. And when I set the bar there and I recognize the historic nature of having an Asian American woman, a black woman, a woman woman on <laughs> uh, a ticket for a major party in the United States and recognizing that she's considered a safe choice by him. He's not a he's not a rabble rousing kind of dude, you know, like uh, he's been pushed uh, uh. and he's moved and he's merged more with Bernie-ness. But I think it's a mark of something important and probably good that Kamala Harris um, is the safe choice. And that's I, that's so I feel good about them. I know that they're committed to us in a way that the current leadership isn't. And I'm excited to hear who's in the cabinet so we can vote for the whole set of Avengers and not just the dynamic duo. Uh, Katie? I, I feel similarly uh, with Baratunde. And I was going to say that, like, A, to just, like, get myself more excited because I, I wasn't immediately, you know, uh, elated. Um, she's not only the first uh, Black woman and first South Asian, um, you know, female candidate, but... Her Jewish in-laws, uh, Mike and Barb, are, are really <laughs> thrilled. And I highly recommend listening to her 92nd Street Y um, description of meeting them because she, <laughs> Kamala just like laughs and laughs and laughs at her own joke. And it is so delightful and very Jewish to laugh at your own joke. But also just like, I just loved hearing her laugh. You know, and seeing her laugh because it's like it reminds you that she is human. And on on that note, it it because you know there's a lot of questions um, from the vice president, excuse me, from the presidential debates that we you know we saw, and also from her track record. I was thinking about Fauci, and one of the things that makes Fauci so incredible was you know initially he was actually very uh, old school about. Um, doing trials, you know, when when people who were facing HIV, you know, really needed those trials. Mm. And thanks to gay right activists, he changed his mind. And it makes me like him more. It The fact that he was like, oh, I'm he listened and he actually made a change. And and I think that that is important because I was trying to, you know, think about like, is is she evolving? You know what I mean? When when people are looking at her, her new um more openness, it seems like, um, since uh, the George Floyd protests began. Um, and I, I I just bring that out to say that, like, change is not always uh, fast or the way you want it to happen, but it doesn't mean that um, people can't. Yes, I Kamala love that. Kamala Harris, the Michael Fauci of vice presidents. <laughs> Dr. Fauci of Vice Presidents. <laughs> or as Barb, as, as her uh, mother-in-law says, you're even prettier in person. <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't surprised as, you know, as neither of you were, um, because this is this had been the spec. He She was the top pick among the speculation class of America, right? <laughs> Everyone was like, it's probably Kamala. And then it was Kamala. And I was just... I, and I have to say, one of my friends was a former chief resiliency officer for the city of Oakland and also a, a, the, the, the 
chief counselor or I'm, I'm probably messing up the title. Anyways, she was a fancy person. I know some fancy people, guys. It doesn't matter. But my point is um, she had worked with Kamala and said to me, you know, like the thing is Kamala is really fucking solid. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but point it. it but that's what I want. I want yeah. someone who's really fucking solid. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's going to be li- little discrepancies here on the edges. And we're like, eh, right. when you were a prosecutor, mm, eh, whatever. But, you know, you fucking didn't pay a parking ticket that, that one time. You paid it late. You know, what the fuck? Like, are you a good citizen or not? Like, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things out there that people have done that I don't agree with. But yet I'm taking the whole person um, I- into consideration. And in doing that, I am really fucking excited this is a great, this is a great VP. It is a great setup for a presidential run in 2024. If that's the th- case, it's a, gr- she's a great setup for someone who might have to like walk in and do the job of president at some point in the next four years. Like she's really fucking smart. We've seen her do that job in the Senate. We've seen her grill Republicans. You know, we've seen, I mean, we've seen her win races in the great state of California, which is large and big and has a lot of different people and different types of people in it. So, folks, I'm excited. This is it. Let's yeah. fucking do this. Let's now, do it. My question for you is, uh, Baratunde, you're uh, you're in touch with the young people. I say that with, with no backing at all whatsoever. Are you in touch with the young people? Do you think young people are going to be excited by Kamala? Uh, let me. I'm just checking with some young people right now. And kids, <laughs> neighborhood kids. <laughs> They'll get back to me. No, I, it's funny um, because Bear Tunde and I are like the same age. However, um, I consider him more in tune with the young people because, like, the you're like the first person that told me about Twitter. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're like children, were definitely always- <laughs> roam free. Um, so I would love to do some actual research, but in lieu of that, I will join the speculation class and say maybe. Uh, I actually got a question from, I, I was talking to a bunch of teenagers uh, in a, doing a talk with, not just like, hey, teens, let's talk, but uh, with a couple hundred of them. And they were asking about, you know, perfect candidates and like, what mm. do you feel about? And I feel like they were telegraphing their, some of their lack of enthusiasm for Biden himself, much less who the vice presidential pick would be. And so given... Um, Harris's record as a prosecutor and not as a defund the policer, certainly that wing of young people is not going to be super enthusiastic from a policy perspective. But I also think that she's like so many things that Biden isn't in other ways that round out that ticket. She is 20 something years younger. Uh, (laughs) She is infinitely browner, like many shades browner. She is a she. And, and so her, her, personal life story captures something much closer to what a young person's going through uh, than Biden's, who's so clearly in a, a different kind of age bracket and age league. And I think they're just hungry for not what's happening with the current guys running this thing. Mm. Uh, Harris is, you know, when I thought about my own excitement and what resumed a bit of it for me, she's worked at every level of government. Yes. Like, very local, oh, you know, and statewide that. and a national office. And she's one of a hundred senators. Like she's already so much more qualified than the guy who literally has the job right now. 
she right. still knows more about government than the president of the United States. Yeah. And uh, so, so my hope is that, yes, young people will be very enthusiastic um, and get each other fired up to go vote. Um, I, my hope is also that this campaign continues to meet the moment and push for policies that meet young people where their expectations most reasonably are because they've, they're inheriting a not good system and they didn't do that to themselves. Like older people did, we did, yeah. people Harris's age did, people Biden's age did. So we owe them something um, and not just on the election, but like the follow through and how we govern after. I think it's also important to contextualize things. And like, I imagine as a Katie wrong in the media, we do not contextualize. <laughs> I mean, this I, is all about clickbait. Do not say anything nuanced. <laughs> but I mean, you know, she was a African-American female prosecutor. And like there is a context of what she can and can't get through when working mm-hmm. with the police. You know, like yeah. there are there are things that you can even just like take take a. Um, in the Senate in 1994, and I am old enough to remember 94, and so are uh, Barrett today. I, I remember the 90s. It's a great time. It's a great time. Um, you know, pants were not allowed. Like, uh, senators and, and congresswomen couldn't wear pants. Like, I mean, they, they could wear just, pants. Wait, but they, they were just could. naked? Just bottom? No. Only, they could only go bottomless. It was pretty wow. crazy. No, it's like a Winnie the Pooh dress code. I did not know that. That's bottomless, amazing. but carrying their Pearl Jam CDs. That's exactly right. And, and also they wearing They misinterpreted pearls. grunge. Yeah. <laughs> they also had to have pearls on at that time, too. Um, but, but, um... But in all seriousness, like, yeah, when when they went to go testify, (laughs) you know, they they were encouraged and and actually discouraged to wear pants, but only encouraged to wear skirts to a point where it was it was an unspoken rule. And Mm. um, Senator Mosley Brown, Mosley Brown and and Senator Barbara Mikulski, they had to lead this initiative just so that they could pants wearing. (laughs) We're, you know, wow. comfortably with pants. And like, it's such a, it seems so trivial. And yet at the same time, like, that's how small we have to fight. There are so yeah. many levels to which we have to fight. And, and also to see the progress. Like, I myself, I worked at Miramax. I know what it's like to have a toxic boss, which is sort of similar to what we're facing with, with Trump. And, you know, there's a lot of, whether you're black, white, Indian, Jewish, whatever, like you do internalize, unfortunately, these prejudices. And th- and so I just want to like, again, with the context, like. Katie, I, you're a wonderful person. I am so happy <laughs> that you did just what you did. And it's helping me like drop into this moment a little more. You know, Harris is a person, right? Kamala Harris is a human being. And when I think about everything she's been able to do in a system designed to like destroy her in so many ways, to ignore her, to diminish her, to dehumanize her. She is still alive. You know what I mean? She still knows how to smile and laugh. She knows how to bring it into judiciary committee interrogations of people like Bill Barr and Brett Kavanaugh. She made Brett Kavanaugh cry, which should be... Like, there should be a bumper sticker for that. Like, I want to vote for the lady <laughs> who made Brett Kavanaugh cry. Like, that's... Can I vote twice? Right. Because that's a, a great achievement. Because you know he made people cry. 
with his actions and his decisions and his impact on people's lives at a much broader scale than any harm Kamala Harris has ever done. So yeah, it's just recognizing the context and the limitations. And as vice president, she has a different role. As a candidate, she's got a different role as vice president, and maybe she'll become president too, uh, hopefully for healthy and good reasons, not for any sort of emergency backup reasons. But uh, yeah, you, I'm, I'm feeling even better. This is like okay, a good yes, emotional kind of a workshop. Right. I'm like, We're only doing optimism today. <laughs> yes. Listen, I want to say two things. She's a person who laughs and smiles and cries. Yeah. Also, she's a, a symbol. And I think what's really, I, and again, I... I think she's it's fantastic because of all of the, you know, as you said, Baratune, she's she's worked in every level of government. So that experience, smarts, all of that stuff, she's solid. I know people that have worked with her because I know a couple of fancy people. Yeah, it's and, like chief resiliency <laughs> officers. Can we just acknowledge your little chief know, resiliency just, officer I know, flex? I know, I know. By the she's way, smart. I've never hey. heard anybody <laughs> drop a chief <laughs> resiliency officer before. There should be a prize for that. Um, you got to hang out with me more, Baratuni. Uh, so um, she's solid. She's smart. She's all of those things. And so for those reasons, you know, she she deserves this pick. But also as a symbol, this is a lucky benefit. She's not only a black woman, but I also want to say she's an Indian woman. And for oh, that, man. like a little Nagin, you know, in the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s would have looked at that as like, Fuck yeah, because that's what we ethnic bitches do. We fucking get right. picked as VP. It's not a big fucking deal, guys, right? And that's what I would have said because <laughs> that's how I talked in elementary school. Uh-huh. And um, and and I think that symbol is extremely motivating. It's really powerful. It's a powerful for two huge subsects of the population, black girls and ethnic girls, right? Yeah, like, yeah. that is so many girls. And I am so excited for them that they now have this symbol. Uh, so that's, an, but let me tell you guys one other thing, which is um, Tucker Carlson. So oh, Tucker, why would you do that? I know, I know, we I know. So because well. You said no, optimism no, 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 only. No, but this is, this is still optimism today because Tucker, he was talking about Kamala last night or whatever this morning. I don't know. And uh, and I saw a thing trending on Twitter. Don't mean to bring Twitter into our lovely discussion here, but I saw this thing trending on Twitter that he like mispronounced her name. And then the person he was in talking to actually corrected him. He said like, Cam, Cam, I don't re- actually remember how he pr- mispronounced it. And then he was like, no, sorry, it's Kamala. And then he was like, oh my God. So now you're criticizing me for mispronouncing her name. What Kamala, Kamala, whatever it is. And he's like, no, it's not whatever it is. She's like a VP nominee. Like you should tr- treat her with respect. And it's fun. And what made, what's optimistic about this is the right doesn't know what to do now. And that's what wanted to talk about this. Uh, many snaps. Yes. Um, right? Yes. So what I mean, so Bertunde, the right, how are they handling this? Power? Is they're not handling it and and Tucker Carlton is doing a terrible <laughs> job or whatever, whatever his name is. Whatever his name is. Mr. Bowtie. Why how is he still a thing? Um no. you want to talk about like mediocrity failing up and like underqualified people. Why does yes. he still get that platform? Who knows? But Biden and Harris combined really create um this like hard to hit target for the right. They're not the radicals that the right wants them to be. And it's so obvious. Like Barack Obama picked Joe Biden because Joe Biden was safe. Because he was like Uncle Joe for America. Because he worked across the aisle. Because he had relationships with Republicans. He's still that guy. And now he's come a bit more left, but he's 
got 72 years as that other guy. So, <laughs> and then he picks a former attorney general running the largest justice department outside of the Department of Justice in the country. She had to partner with these blue lives, which aren't yep. a thing, but these like avatar lives yep. matter. Like those were her homies, you know, yep. she was colleagues with them. So you cannot paint her as this radical, radical Black Panther type person <laughs> for better and for worse. But I think from the perspective of winning an election, giving people fewer reasons to reject or say no and reducing the surface area of attack from the conspiracy minded um, people, I guess I'll, I'll still call them people, on, <laughs> on the team of the president and his reelection they make it very hard. It's just, it's it's more complicated. And it's like, oh, but she, like the whole Kamala's a cop thing works against them yes. in this moment. And I think for those who also voted for this president the last time around, who recognize he's like a bad human being and the tax cuts didn't pay for themselves and also maybe one someone in their family is dead, it's just another unobjectionable thing to be like, oh, I've never really voted for a Democrat before. But also, I've never had a president try to kill me before. So <laughs> maybe I can break with precedent right, right, right. and vote for Biden-Harris. They seem like reasonable people reasonable who people. take the job seriously. Yes. Katie, final words on this. Whether uh, whether Republicans who, who by and large tend to, to be white um, don't like her doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The fact is, is that the population is growing and changing and more and more people of color are actually going to be the people who are the majority. And so there is also just a reality uh, population wise that, that we are we are evolving. Right. That that we have become more open um, as a society in general. Right. So like there are m not only mixed marriages, but the fact is, is like you just look at the statistics. So I think that there's also some level of irrelevancy, frankly, to me mm. about um, this sort of, you know, Mitch McConnell and all these sort of like people who are just clinging to a history that's changing whether or not they like it. Right. Mitch McConnell has his like Betamax uh, yeah. in his house and he's just like, no, I'm still going to watch movies on this thing. And you're like, <laughs> OK, do that. But literally there aren't any more movies available for beta. Um, so and I think I think that's absolutely right. It doesn't matter uh, because the country is moving. You know, we're just moving past you. You can think whatever because we're in America and that's your right. But we're moving past it. Um I love uh, speaking to you about Kamala Harris. I could do it for hours, but you know what we're going to do instead? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear about our sponsors. I'm optimistic about our sponsors so much uh, because today's about optimism. And when we come back, we're going to talk about other things. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, educational app from Albania 
that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the apps features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we 
are back. And before we get into topic number two, I just want to do a quick rundown of some exciting elections. Uh, As listeners know, people have been writing in about elections. I feel like I've been missing some of these emails because I get them on multiple different platforms, which is completely fine. But if you want to ensure that I see your email, please email at commentsoffakethenation.com. Here's a couple I'm going to mention right now, which is down ballot statewide. There's about down ballot statewide race in Texas um, uh, for railroad commissioner. I mean, we're going deep. Fake the Nation is in it. They're sending me every important race. And uh, and this listener, whose name I did not note, I am so sorry, this listener pointed out that um, the office has nothing to do with railroads and everything to do with regulating the oil and gas industries, which is 20% of the state economy slash budget of Texas. Did not know that. Uh, turning that seat blue would certainly go a long way to protect the environment. Uh, so... The person who is running for railroad commissioner, who I'm asking you to check out, is Krista Castaneda. Uh, and you can look at her website, KristaForTexas.com. That's Krista with a Y. Um, so railroad commissioner, it's not, you know, every elected official matters in the in the entire web of government. All these people need to be good. So that includes a railroad commissioner. Thank you for sending that along. Also, someone pointed out that Tom Cotton is being challenged by Dan Whitfield, who is an independent. I believe the Democrat was already eliminated from the race. Don't exactly know what's going on down there. Uh, but check out Dan Whitfield. I haven't had time to check him out, but I'm, uh, I'm curious to hear uh, about Dan and what he's doing. And then I also wanted to say, mention to you guys, uh, Monica, uh, sorry, I also wanted to mention to you all, I'm trying to like moderate my use of you guys for people to you all, but I can't, you know, it's like my, my mouth. Okay. Monica from California wrote in to talk about how hopeful she was. And I love this because today's optimism day, how hopeful she was about the people running the election apparatus in her state. Um, she's in California and, uh, she's hopeful about the people running elections in California, but by extension, the entire country, she was a materials proofreader in 2018. And then a signature verifier. Um, she saw a lot to complain about, like people being overlooked for promotions and seasonal workers who were kind of looked down upon. So it wasn't all rainbows, but she is so very optimistic because of her former co-workers. And this is what she said to me. She said, we were all doing extremely fiddly, repetitive, often boring work, but we were but we all worked hard. That's in in bold. Sure, we were there for the paycheck, but believe me when I say I didn't see anyone phoning it in. There wasn't time for that. We may have been cogs in the machine, but we were still considered election officers and had to take an oath to protect the constitutions of the United States and the state of California. I, for one, took that pretty fucking seriously. Oh my God, Monica. I love hearing about election workers. Thank you. Thank you for doing that job. Thank you uh, uh, for telling me about your experience. I hope it's, um, I don't know, uplifting for other people the way it was for me. Also, I want to mention a couple of people have pointed this out to me. You can vote early in some states. And you can use drop boxes in some states to vote early. You can you to, to drop off your mail on mail in ballots, and you can um, drop off your mail in ballots at early voting polling locations. So you know, email me. Let me know how you're voting, how your state, what the options are in your state. I'll mention them on the show. Very important stuff. Love that you're telling me all of these things, people. Uh, fake the nation is in it real hard. All right. 
Now let us move on to topic number two. We're going to just keep things light and talk about the pandy and uh, the economic fallout for a second. So over the weekend, Donnie signed a few executive orders. Uh, Let's talk about what they were and what they mean. Um, First, there was a payroll tax cut. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do either of you know what that means? I I wouldn't even know what a payroll looks like. Um, I still have yet to get my pandemic unemployment and I'm eligible and I enrolled and it's been two months. Please tell me more about payrolls. So here's what's interesting. Okay, I again, we're gig economy workers, so yeah, payroll is a little yeah, bit of like a I'm mis- also I'm still stuck on railroad commissioner and Krista with a Y. Like, I'm, and um, I, I want to be able to vote for whoever is running against Tom Cotton. I it literally could be anyone, right? And matter. I think He's, in this case it's Dan Whitfield. So look it up. Um, great. So, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so here's the deal. Workers pay 6.2% of their wages um, to help finance Social Security. And employers Ooh, pay that's in good. An, yeah, and employers pay in another 6.2% on behalf of employees. And, um, you know, that what, what, what Trump... And then also employees and employers also pay another 1.45% to support Medicare. Okay, so if we all didn't know that about payroll, now we know. Um, the CARES Act passed earlier actually allowed a payroll tax deferral on employ on the employer share, and then they have like two years to repay that. So, so the idea is not to defund Social Security forever, <laughs> right? Because then that would ruin it. Um, and so, one of the problems with the Trump payroll um, tax cut is that it's unclear about whether or not he's trying to secretly defund Social Security. So I'll note that as a problem. And then the other thing I'll note as a problem is people that have jobs don't need money necessarily like people who don't have jobs. Are you saying that this benefits (laughs) the wrong people? Pertune, that might be what I'm saying. Uh, Yes. You also said something about, you know, it's unclear, like the president's plan is unclear for blah. And I just think stopping at unclear actually works (laughs) because that's true of everything he does. Uh, As we mentioned in topic one, he doesn't really understand government. And despite running it, he hasn't seemed to learn very much about using it. Um, so this half-baked executive order, uh, it's, it's when you don't know if he did this because he's evil and wants to hurt people or because he doesn't know what he's doing, like those are equally legitimate options for most of the things this president has done since being in office. And I feel like this fits that category the same way. Yeah. No, uh, Katie? Just that like his uh, lack of impulse, impulse control, you know, he's, if you think of an uh, a toddler, you know, he is going to have a temper tantrum and try to break as many things as as possible. And that may be Social Security and that may be people living. I mean, you know, and dying based on his just sort of I'm going to I'm going to be upset. And then on the flip side, like, you know, if he feels any sense of like self-congratulatory, I've done something good. I also feel like that just becomes a sort of like, you know, I deserve doing whatever I want in the future. Like it just like sort of encourages more entitlement on his perspective. And there is no incentive for him. He has no moral compass. He doesn't care if you're dying at all. Um, My one regret I have to say is that I feel like there's just such a lack of perspective about what's going on. Like people are dying all the time. I, I went to just look at the weather today 
and next to it's 80 degrees was um, the number of deaths as if it was mm. like one in the same, you know? And so yeah. I just, there is a, um, a deafness we all are experiencing because we're yeah. so overwhelmed, you know, it's not right. malevolent, but, um, it, it, it's happening. People are dying right now as we speak. And even when people get sick, because I think there are a lot of people who say, well, you know what, I'll probably be okay. And I hope that that is the case, my, you know, myself included. I absolutely hope that is the case. And the truth is, is that when you hear about what it's like to uh, recover, even months later, we still don't know what the repercussions are. Yeah. Um, right. Sorry and I think, no, no, it's great. I'm also I mean, it's, just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm mad that you checked the weather because that implies you had somewhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I want to know what you're doing. It was an aspirational weather checking, I feel like, was it? <laughs> Um, it's like shopping at Whole Foods when you know you're not the right income bracket, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I also want to point out there was a $400, um, unemployment insurance pandemic relief payment on, um, added to it. He said the federal government would pay for $300 of that out of a disaster relief fund and that the states would pay for a hundred dollars of that, though hilariously the states were not consulted. And so that some of the states are like, I, Hey, Hey buddy. Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, we don't have the $100 that you're telling us mm-hmm. that we're going to give people. And then also, uh, we saw this in the beginning, you know, the unemployment, by the way, Katie just pointed out, you know, the state's Department of Labor are having a hard enough time as it is keeping up with demand and figuring out who the fuck gets what. Uh, so to change the game in the middle and without prior anything um, means it's nearly impossible for them to have gotten it on August 1st, which is what this, the, you know, which is the, when this, uh, the, de- the start date of this thing was supposed to be or retro retrofitted to that. Um, so basically, and then the hilarious thing is, I don't know if you, uh, have friends who got this email or whatever, you got this email. Um, but they said the department of labor sent out a huge email that the New York state department of labor, I'm sure other states did too, that were like, um, we're getting a lot of email about Donnie saying this thing. And we just want you to know that like, we literally have no idea and (laughs) just give us a second because this is all super was not discussed with us. So (laughs) you're not going to get any money right this sec. So sorry. So sorry. Uh, so it was a hilarious email that the State Department had to send, the Labor Department had to send because president. Um, Katie, what does that make you think? Well, and there are two things. One is he said up to 400 and it, it you know, at best will be up to 300. And I, I don't know anyone <laughs> in almost any state where that's going to somehow cover, uh, right. you know, rest uh, of, excuse me, food and uh, rent, you know, for, I mean, never mind a family of four trying to, to sustain themselves on that. Um, and then the other part was that uh, there's a, a bit of a, a, he was unclear as to whether you'll have to give back, <laughs> assuming you yeah, even, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. assuming I even get unemployment, then the next part is that I may have to give it back. Um, so I, it, it was really, uh, it was Super really fun. Yeah. And also just like acknowledges like how little he knows Matters. because he doesn't pay his own taxes. Like he has right. no idea what any of these <laughs> things. Oh, clearly. Oh, clearly. He still owes us. I mean, the best COVID financial relief plan he could offer 
is to just pay his taxes from <laughs> his adult life. I believe it's in the millions of dollars that he has stolen. I mean, that's like a grand larceny at that scale. It's a pretty big felony charge he'd be facing if we had a just society. Uh, but a good, good news for New Yorkers is that you know that your Department of Labor has a working email system. And so that's like <laughs> silver lining. Like you, I'm trying to keep it optimistic because Optimi- you said there was optimism the optimism today. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's, that's right. Also, line. I want to point out that jobless workers who receive less than $100 a week in unemployment are not eligible for the thing Donnie that's was right. talking about, which doesn't make sense. Again, uh, I, again, I, I know, Baratuna, I'm blowing your mind. The president said something that doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll keep you abreast of what happens with this. Uh, We don't know, but you know what I'm excited about? I'm excited about Nancy and Chuck going in there and fucking figuring this the fuck out because they had a goddamn plan three months ago. So they fucking know. They know what they're doing and I have faith. Uh, Let us move on to topic number three. This topic came to us from our producer, um, Anita, who's who wanted us to talk about people fleeing big cities and what that means. And she said specifically um, about New York, she said, uh, you know, what does it mean? What does it, how does it make you feel when, you, you know, you hear about people leaving New York City? She said, it's something I've been thinking, uh, it's something I've been talking to my New Yorker friends about. Many of them um, feel like it's been really revealing to see who packs up and leaves New York for six months or forever. New York is wonderful to me and there's still nowhere I'd rather be. It feels like a relationship. So when I see my friends moving, when the going gets tough, it makes me look at them very differently. So you're just going to leave when the going gets tough? Psh. That, <laughs> and she made the pish sound uh, in an email. Um, folks, what we've we've seen, I mean, I've seen every headline about every about the ruination and the destruction of every city because of the pandemic, right? Paris, it's over. New York, it's over. San Francisco is over. Los Angeles is over. Rome is over. Um, London is over. So we've seen the headlines. We've seen it for every city. It's been, you know, I'll tell you what I think about those headlines in a second. But what what is it, you know, Katie, you live in New York. Bertuna, you've lived in New York. You live in L.A. I don't know. You split your time. Um, what Who do you, splits time? I don't Sorry, know. Go ahead. There's no splitting. There's no, I, there's no splitting. There's you, you, your game's locked. It's for musical chairs and wherever COVID dropped, that's where you that's are. That's where you are. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, Katie, Sorry, so ahead, Katie, Katie. Uh, what do you what do you think as a New Yorker? So, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that at some point uh, employee of the month will, you know, it was supposed to be our 10 year anniversary starting in, in September. Wow. We got a residency and, and I, I am hopeful that in the future it will be possible right in 2021. But I personally have a very serious um, secondary condition and I and um, I. <laughs> I've had to really consider, like, would it be safer for me, for example, to go to California? But that also means uh, applying for residency there, right? And it means applying for health care and, and seeing if I even get it. And we've already seen with unemployment how hard it is to get that. So I, I have mixed feelings. Um, and there, and because, you know, it's not merely an intellectual exercise of seeing, uh, you know, an, an article that says, gosh, people must be falling through the cracks. I, I unfortunately um, am facing that quite um, directly. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I have I have mixed feelings on that point. And then I'm also like I had to turn off Instagram because I would just like 
on one level, I would see people who I know are liberal and I know are going to vote. And yet they're like not only not wearing masks and they're like pictures from the Hamptons or whatever beautiful like summer house that they have. They're a bunch of them, you know. So that also leaves me a little nervous about what's going to happen um, in the interim. In the f- I do assuming assuming, you know, Biden wins. I do really feel like people should optimism just- show. Well, they should wait because it is going to things can change, you know, and then we have all these other countries reveal like you, you mentioned Paris, you know, they are actually moving forward in the right direction and in a positive direction. So, like, do I, I just hold and wait. And on just a like psychology point of view, you know, we're all in a like, which, by just, the way, Katie has a background <laughs> in psychology. We all we all have like. A sea of anxiety right now. If if you have yes. a pulse, like yes, and yes. it means that like making major decisions, like moving, you're you're reactive, and that's understandable. But it means you're not going to necessarily make smart decisions. So yes. just like give it a beat and like see like things can get better. And look at New York. Like look how resilient we have been. Oh, New York, the Europe of the United States, folks. The virus has been basically controlled here. What? How optimistic is that? How good does that make you feel about New York? So good. Baratunde, what do you think? You're in another big city. I, um, when I lived in New York City, which was up until last year, I dreamed, I had a plan to like take care of New York Mm. and make it better. And that plan was everybody leave and let's do a deep cleaning because this place is disgusting. (laughs) And so again, silver linings, like the more people who leave, the more room for the scrub, Mm. you know? Oh yeah. Um, There's, I I have, as Katie, uh, many emotions. I don't think it's as simple as you leave New York City, you're a traitor, Fi on you. Uh, also, fi. I haven't said that since uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, is that like a my, is that like a Ren Fair term or something? I, I think so. It's like so my inner child from Fairy Tale Land yeah. is coming back right now with you two. Um, but I I suspect that most cities are in for a great financial, um, significant financial ruin mm-hmm. in the near in the next several years. The number of people I know who have left New York, uh, and they tend to be wealthier, which means they spend more money. They get New York City has an extra special tax just for the privilege of living in New York City. That's above and beyond the state and the federal taxes. And that money is going to move with them to the amount they eat out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And they can afford to. Now, in some ways, I think that's kind of a balancing and a leveling because New York was becoming this exclusive playground of the wealthy to begin with. Like, Life in Manhattan meant Hamptons to some degree and certain some of these apartments and the inflation on rents and the cost of everything is because too many wealthy people could just park there. So maybe it'll free things up and kind of reduce the stress on housing costs, on infrastructure, on all these things that the city just wasn't able to keep up with. Um, and then the, <laughs> I'm a little rambly here, but I think there's one other piece on the good side. And I had to find this out as someone who left New York because I had wrapped my whole identity up in the ability to survive uh, an environment which was really harsh. And I thought that made me good. That made the city great. That made me better than other people and other cities. 
And then I came out to Los Angeles, which yes, is a major city, but I live in such an environment. I'm like, oh, I have a yard now. I didn't, I didn't think I was a yard person. And that's been better for my mental health. And so I also, I, independent of the money, I think there are people who told themselves a story that I have to suffer to live and suffering in New York is a sign of success. And now that I'm forced out and I'm going to live with my in-laws in the Midwest somewhere and, oh, they have food too. And like, they love as well. And do they not bleed as well? <laughs> like, so I can still be myself in this other space. And the healthy side of this is people realizing that their identity can be somewhat independent of this enforced struggle that New York in particular makes us wear because it's such an unreasonable environment that's beautiful and good for art and character. It's also devastating financially and on the mental health of a lot of people who are put through unnecessary strain because of the way that city operates. Say, I mean, I can't. I've, I on that last point. I mean, I do think that, like, especially in a city like San Francisco, and it's funny because, like, my my West Coast friends talk a lot about people fleeing San Francisco, um, and San Francisco had basically turned into that city that nobody could afford to live in. Like, it had really reached that point already, and so to, for for some some of those billionaires to leave San Francisco, um, will I mean, there was no housing stock in. San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So that I think is something, you know, um, more closer to that, that level that you're talking about bear Tunde. But in, in New York city, I'm look, I am, I do like, like Anita, I feel like this is a relationship, but I don't, I'm not in New York city to feel suffering. Right. And I'm not surviving New York city. I'm thriving in New York city. And I think for me, it's like when I go to my local park on an evening and I see musicians who have gathered and people socially distant watching them, that's the kind of shit that's just not, I was in the Berkshires this weekend and it was nice to visit. I would never want to live there. You know what I'm saying? Like it, th th that stuff doesn't happen in those places. That is the reason I live in a major city. You know, that's the reason I also lived in Paris. Um, as listeners may have known, uh, and and did you did you, however, know the chief resiliency officer? <laughs> of Paris? Um, I I uh, I think what we're what we're missing is why why do you want to be in a city? Do you want to be in a city like because obviously. People aren't in cities because they get a little bit less square footage. Also, fuck your square footage. Fuck your yard. My yard is the entire goddamn city and I get to see so many people and I don't feel isolation. That's what makes me excited is that when I'm in a city, I do not feel the isolation that Im immediately comes down and swallows me whole when I am in other places. And also, if you live in those other places and you thrive there, that's also fantastic. And I totally respect that. So this is, I'm not trying to shit on anybody. I'm just yeah, saying, but I think I a lot of can't, I, I'm just saying, I, I think, you know, also everyone needs to take a beat. Like Katie was saying, this is a temporary situation. Do not make extreme life choices based on a temporary situation. I mean, how much patience do we not have as a country? My God, you know, and we're sitting here with our fucking uh, running water, you know, and our microwaves and our free speech, right? And we can't take a goddamn minute for a pandemic to resolve itself? Like, what the fuck? Like, I think about but, my family uh, in Iran and what they're going through, and 
don't have the freedom of speech and they don't necessarily have electricity. So my, I think we need to put ourselves in context um, with what, you know, with wherever it is we live and whatever it is we think is being taken from us um, and how, wherever it is we think we need to flee to. Katie, you were going to say? If I, oh, sorry. Yeah. So I think there's, there's different groups of people that we're talking about here. And I want to be clearer about that. And also, I appreciate you acknowledging that people can be happy in other cities um, because I think there is, like I did 12 years in New York and I still am part New York. Like you don't just flip a switch and become not that. Yeah. But one of the things that I don't miss is a certain type of New York arrogance, which says no other place is worthy. No other food is good. Fuck you and fuck your life. It's not even a real life. No, and I'm also talking about cities in general. Like I don't want to make this too New York centric. I'm talking because I've seen every headline. And also, fuck the media (laughs) for these irresponsible headlines that make give people anxiety. Like the place they live is about to collapse, and that sucks. And it's irresponsible, and it doesn't is not helping. It is only increasing the anxiety of everybody. Why are you not and like reports about you know looting it, whatever, like that are delivered (laughs) without any content. Text. Yeah. I mean, goddamn! Like, I can't. Media, you are being irresponsible, and you are creating more anxiety than is absolutely necessary. Katie, I was just gonna, so I live on my own, which means that like I have not like hugged someone in nearly six months, right? And yet, at the same time the beauty of being in New York is that it is a community, <laughs> and so that I can. You know, there are ways to keep a healthy over six feet distance and, you know, be mm-hmm. able to engage with a friend. And it's, it is fun to like, I have the privilege of being able to go to the park, which has nature. It's incredible. I re- highly recommend it. Um, wherever you live, <laughs> highly recommend the, the nature part. You, know, you can hug a tree. But sometimes like I'll hear someone just like playing sax in the middle of the day. Like, you yeah. know, just like on a walk. I'm just walking my dog. So so there. I really don't want to discount community, you know, a- yeah. at all because it really is – um, on the Maslow hierarchy of needs, it's really important. <laughs> Finding that community is more important than the amount of square footage or the layout of your home. Um, and I think what what I hope happens for cities in this, you know, in my part of LA, like they've repaved the streets, they've upgraded the subway faster because there was an opportunity to do that. Like I joke about the deep cleaning, but the New York City subway is cleaner than it's been in 50 years. Yeah. And and that's good and I think there are people who didn't really want the community piece of what it meant to live in a community in a city and they're going off and doing what they always should have done to begin with and taking their market perverting money with them and that's probably good for the city because all of these cities yes they have those really good things but they are all financially unsustainable. The rent is too damn high in all of them. The cost of housing is too damn high in all of them. The infrastructure is collapsing in nearly all of them. And so every city started to look the same with the same cookie cut gentrified building, with the same renaming of neighborhoods, with the same bidding wars for the tiniest slice of whatever. And that's not healthy. So hopefully this gives us a chance to reset design better and like remember that we want a diversity of people in these cities and maybe if some of the Hamptons folks want to make some room 
for artists and workers and teachers and doctors and nurses and nurses assistants to also live in that city, that would be a positive outcome from all of this. And this is me trying real hard to stay optimistic. Optimism day. <laughs> no, thank you for that. Um, and uh, I agree that, uh, I agree. I agree with that assessment. Um, and I agree with my current assessment that, <laughs> and this isn't about <laughs> you New York. Yourself? Like this isn't about that. New York. This is about, yeah. Yeah. like, why did you choose to live in a place? And what is it about one hiccup that is making you fucking go crazy. You know what I mean? And like immediately lose your but, mind and like change everything that me, you're doing. Me, and blah, I, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know what I, I know mean? You're trying to, I know you're trying to control the time here. I just want to add one more constituency, which is parents. Um, and I can, I can, I have parent friends who live in these cities and they didn't sign up for this particular arrangement. Mm. Right. With two or three kids in 700 square feet, maybe those like it was a timeshare relationship with the space before COVID. It's like, oh, well, the kids are we're never here at the same time doing all the things we need to do to get like, no, no, you go to school. I go to work. You go to camp. And I do empathize with people who have to rethink like, how do I provide space and learning and care and diverse interactions in a space that really was supposed to be like a sleeping pod? And now it's got to be a school and a gym and a common room and a bar and a restaurant. That's a little different. And hopefully people are starting to figure it out and work it out. But I, I have some understanding for folks who are like, oh, yeah, this doesn't, if we're going to have to live like this for the next two years, I really, it's going to break my family and my mental health to keep us in this little box together like this. Katie, you have the last because we're okay. running over and the overlords are mad. <laughs> Quick tip. I feel like if you put a mask on, which you need to be doing anyways, and you put sunglasses on, which you also need to be doing, no one can recognize you, whether you're unfamous like myself or otherwise. And therefore, you can cry in public. No one knows or cares. And then also, if you need to <laughs> yell, because I do believe like grieving is an important thing to do. You can do that too. It's not necessarily effective in getting more people to, you know, put their masks on properly, but but still it does feel a little good in that moment. <laughs> um yeah, and uh and and for the rest of you, my 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 uh note, my helpful note is move to New York. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the rents are cheaper now. And maybe you'll get a better deal now. <laughs> You'll get a great deal on a fucking great apartment. What? I mean, who? You don't need a fucking yard. Okay. Um, <laughs> this anti-yard thing is hilarious. No, I, uh, it's fine. Okay, I have I, I obsess over the flower the flower bed in front of my building, so I get it. Flowers. Um, all right. I need to end the show. <laughs> and my last yeah, question, yeah. as we end the show, is what is making you hopeful? I'm hopeful that. Um, some nerds are in self-quarantine, whether they need to be or not. And they're like inventing a 3D printer that has all these like eligible, cute, funny uh, people I might be able to meet. And because I'm not as worried about surfaces, like they can just deliver them right in front of my door. <laughs> That's a really weird one. And I love it. Um <laughs> I was trying to be. I was. I was trying to be honest. I was trying to be yeah, honest. No, of like very um, honest. <laughs> Bear today. What is making you hopeful? Um, I'm. I'm working on a project 
that's it's actually a new show called How to Citizen with Baratunde. And we're, it's a podcast, of course, because that's all we can do now as a people. But it's I'm hopeful because I wanted to be better at being like a citizen, not in the documentation status, but like a lot of stuff we've been talking about, knowing your neighbors, living in community, connecting with others, and then doing so for a common good, not just like a selfish good. And there are so many people who are showing up and like I'm learning so much that makes me feel good about why we even bother to do this thing in the first place. And it gets well past elections and candidates to like, why do we live together? Like, why do we live in a city? Why do we live in a nation together? Why do we try to have anything in common? And it's because we need each other. Psychologically, we need each other, to Katie's earlier point. Biologically, we need each other. Emotionally and and in so many other ways. And COVID's reminding us of that. So I feel hope because there are many other people who feel that way. And because I'm learning, I thought I believed it, but now I am learning even more about why uh, this stuff matters. And it, it makes me feel good. Uh, also, Katie and I are wearing the same color shirt. I, it's been really lovely to look at. It's really nice. Um, yeah. I want to let you guys know that I had a really interesting interaction um, that made me so hopeful. Ooh. I was I I ran into a neighbor. I, I ran into many neighbors on the block, um, which is one of the one, many wonderful things about New York. And uh, <laughs> and so I ran, I ran into a neighbor. We were chatting. We were chatting. And um, – and, and I'm like a, like a, hey, what's up, neighbor? Like, I kind of try and, hey, what's up as much, as many people as I can. And uh, like I said, I have the flower bed in front of the building and, you know, I, I try. And um, and this guy was saying like, oh, we were talking about school reopening and he was saying he's like so hopeful, whatever, but he's just, you know, he's nervous and all that stuff for his kid and all, whatever. Um, and so we're having that conversation and, and then, uh, and at the end I was just like, yeah, well, you know what? We're all just going to keep wearing masks until there's a vaccine and this is just a, a, a like a break you know from from when we get back to better than normal times and uh and he's like oh i've heard some things about the vaccine you know and i and i remembered oh fuck there are people out there that don't believe the upcoming vaccine is something that they should take, right? And I even hadn't even thought of this as a conversation point. Like, I haven't heard anyone say this yet, but here someone was in my backyard uh, saying um, that they had some, you know, a vaccine that has not been approved yet is uh, already something they would consider not taking. And I said to him, I was like, listen, uh, I'm from a family of doctors. I really believe in the process that they're going through to come up with this vaccine. And I will be taking this vaccine. I trust the medical establishment. I trust them so hard. And he said, you know what? I trust you. So if you take the vaccine, so will I. And I thought, holy fuck, how great is that? First of all, I'm just a what's up like idiot on the block, right? There's like, I have no real anything, but this person trusts me and I may, and I may, and I may have an impact on his life, just a tiny itty bitty one. And that's what all of us can do. All of us can do that to our neighbors, right? And so have those conversations. They're really fun. And uh, and I don't know, I was really heartwarmed. So uh, that is what is making me hopeful. <laughs> Nagin, what I, what I heard from that story is what we can all do is force our neighbors to take a vaccine. That's like, it's, <laughs> we can all do this to our neighbors. You want to pin them down. You want to get a good grip. Probably wear some gloves. So it's no, a bit slippery when they're nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the point is that like people 
need to hear a differing perspective. Yes. And yes. you are the person, the great, fantastic, wonderful neighbor yes. that they need to hear from. It's you. Oh, that's that's so heartwarming. As someone who's getting to know my new neighbors here, I really, I love that story. Thank you. Make That made me feel hopeful. Good. I'm glad. Uh, but what I really uh, would like to do is for the people of Faith and Nation to know you and find all of the stuff that you do. Uh, Katie Lazarus, where do they find you? Um, you guys can find me on Instagram. And I also just want to thank Nagin and thank Baratunde. And like you have given me more hope about voting. And after that, I can call, um, you know, Congress about Brianna. Like there's so many things that I feel more inspired to do. So thank you guys. And yes, you can find me on Instagram, Katie Lazarus. Uh, Katie with a C. Baratunde, what, where do they find you? You can also reluctantly find me on Instagram, uh, Baratunde with a B. Uh, B-A-R-A-T-U-N-D-E. Uh, Baratunde.com has all the show stuff. And I got a special one for you fake the nationers, uh, which is you can text me 202-894-8844. Do it. Do it right now. Text me. Put fake the nation in the text. It's kind of like a texty mailing list, except I also respond a lot. And I'll tell you happy birthday. Uh, almost all the time. Well, not oh, when it's your birthday, like appropriately. Not randomly. <laughs> You're randomly so telling me it's, happy Yeah, it's my cool community text number. We've been talking a lot about community here. And uh, thank you again, Nagin, for having me. Uh, well, you all know where to find me and with all the stuff that I do, but I want to shed a little bit of light on the Beirut Emergency Fund, Matched One to One. It's a GoFundMe um, for for the people suffering from the explosions in Beirut. Um, it's uh, my twinned, uh, my twinned, my pinned tweet on Twitter. Uh, so you can find the link there. A friend of mine set up this emergency fund, and like I said, it's being matched one to one. You could probably Google it, but it's it's like I said, it's pinned. It's Beirut Emergency Fund. Fund, colon matched one to one is the title of the fund. Um, donate to it, and it's going to go to a list of organizations um, that are on the ground and that are helping the the people of Beirut, who we really, really want to help. And what I would really like to do, though, is thank the people that make this show happen. That's our production team here at Fake the Nation, our producer Anita Flores, our talented audio engineer Andy Christens, Gabby Alter wrote our theme music, and Lily Fleshler helps out with research. And listeners, we love to hear from you. Send us your feedback, topics we should be chatting about, guest ideas. You can leave us a voicemail at three three one. 9010005 or drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com if you like what you hear. Uh, please favorite Fake the Nation on Stitcher. Follow us on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps more people find the show. Thanks, everybody. You're great. It's Optimism Day. <laughs>